I didn't want this week's episode to just start and play as though business is business as usual. As we all know, there is a lot happening in our country right now. And the more I thought about publishing this week's episode, the more I felt like it would be tone deaf and insensitive to not have a quick conversation here at the beginning about what's going on. I started this podcast back in the summer of 2016 because I wanted to use uh, this, this medium of podcasting to facilitate important conversations around change makers who are using their businesses and their vocational pursuits as a force for good and a force for change. I've had the the honor of having conversations with over 200 people at this point who are some of the bravest, smartest change makers I've ever met. I have had the unbelievable privilege of just being able to sit and listen to some of the most incredible black business owners and entrepreneurs and speakers right here on this podcast. People like Latoya Tuccheroni, people like Kev from Kev on Stage, people like Monique Melton from Atmo Motivate. I've had the opportunity to speak to people like um, Eikentosh Haynes, um, powerful photography duo, people like Brandy Riley of Mama Knows It All. Um, Just, I mean, so many more who are just incredible Black entrepreneurs who are doing so many powerful things with their businesses. Uh, The reality is, is that um, our Black brothers and sisters are hurting right now. And um, there's a lot, there's 400 plus years of pain that is is coming to the surface, has been at the surface. And um, right now, I just want to say that I am listening and I am learning. I just want to say that uh, for my Black brothers and sisters who are listening right now, you are loved. You are so, so loved, and um, I'm listening and I'm learning. Um, I know that no matter what I say, it's going to come out completely imperfect, but I just felt it was really important to say something right here at the beginning that, um, that I'm listening and I'm learning. And I, I pray that uh, for those of you that are listening, that maybe you feel uncomfortable, maybe you feel like you, you don't know what to do or you don't know what to say, or if you hear something that makes you feel uncomfortable, lean into that. Change happens when we are uncomfortable. Change happens when we are uncomfortable. And so lean into that discomfort. Don't shy away from it. And if there's something that you hear that makes you feel like you are beginning to unravel the things that maybe you thought to be reality, um, I think that that's a good place to be. I plan on in the next couple of weeks, um, I am hoping to publish a couple of bonus episodes kind of around this topic because I think it's important. Um, So be on the lookout for those. Um, I'm hoping to schedule those this week. But again, um, all of these interviews that I do, I record months and months in advance. So, um, you know, I I still, I think this week's episode is going to be a great episode. um, it's, It's not one that is talking about race and 
I didn't want to delay it because I do think it is important that we can still, you know, do things that we would be doing. But I just I, I just wanted to take the time to, to acknowledge what's going on um, and to share that um, I'm listening, I'm learning and, and I'm lamenting um, with those of you who are hurting right now. All right. Without further ado, on to the show. When people ask me where I want to be when I'm 80 years old, one of the first answers I always give is something to the effect of holding hands and still madly in love with my husband, John. I am so passionate about marriage and the amazing gift that it is. Now, I just want to say that today's episode is for married people and single people. There really is something for everyone in this episode. And I also want to say that I understand that marriage can be a sensitive topic for some that maybe have been divorced, have been in harmful marriages, grew up as a child of divorced parents, or maybe you just long to be married. I just want you to know that you are loved, and I hope this episode is encouraging to you. My guest today has spent the majority of his life using his passion and ministry to bless and encourage couples and families. Welcome to the Business with Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Business with Purpose podcast. Here's our host, Molly Stewart, our mom. Welcome to the Business with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Dr. Randy Schroeder, a licensed marriage therapist, pastor, and retired professor of pastoral counseling, who has a lifetime of expertise in marriage, both professionally and personally. For three decades, he has helped well over a thousand couples establish the simple habits that are essential for developing a fulfilling and gratifying marriage. I actually just finished reading Dr. Randy Schroeder's book, Simple Habits for Marital Happiness, and it we just have such a great conversation. He is just such a joy to talk with, and I really hope that you enjoy this episode and that you are blessed by it. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Dr. Randy Schroeder. Dr. Randy Schroeder. Randy, thank you for being with me on the show today. I'm so excited to have you. It is my privilege and pleasure to be with you on your podcast, and I'm excited to be here. You know, I we talked about this a little bit before I pressed record, but I just have to share this with the audience. Um, one of the, the people that I was corresponding with when we were scheduling this described you as the human form of a chocolate chip cookie, and I have decided that is now my favorite description of a, of a person ever, because who doesn't love a warm chocolate chip cookie? It's just, it just automatically makes you smile. It does. And I, I appreciate uh, her very kind comments about me. <laughs> well, I am so excited to have you because uh, obviously you, you are an expert or you are, I don't know if you would even describe yourself an ex- as an expert in the world of marriage and marriage counseling. And I'm just really, this is something that I'm also really passionate about. I'm so passionate about marriage um, and strong marriages. And um, my husband and I have, are just really committed to that as well. And so I've been reading your book, Simple Habits for Marital Happiness, Practical skills and tools that build a strong, satisfying relationship. I've been reading it and it is just, it's so, it's really broken down into these kind of short, pithy little, 
don't want to say art, they're not articles, but kind of sections on different aspects of marriage. And it's just really, you break things down in a really approachable way for people. So I'm really excited to talk about all that. But before we do that, I'm going to have you do what all my guests do, and that's give us uh, the Randy 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Thanks again, Molly, for having me. I, uh, my wife and I have been married 45 years. Uh, we have two married sons and six grandchildren, and I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed helping individuals, couples, and families have satisfying lives, and probably, Molly, have done more than 60,000 hours of counseling. And by God's grace, I hope to have a healthy body, healthy mind, and I never really want to retire. I hope to continue helping people. I always have a goal till I'm 90. That's my goal. Now, I'm not going to be full-time, but I still now, uh, today, have a very successful counseling practice. I probably, Molly, have helped more than 1,500 couples, uh, maybe closer to 2,000, achieve a happy marriage, to give them the skills and the tools to do that. And for years, my wife would say to me, Randy, you've helped thousands of couples have uh, achieve a happy marriage. Uh, write a book, get the information out there so that the skills and tools are available uh, for couples. And so, uh, so that's what I've done. And I really, again, appreciate the opportunity to talk about uh, Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. Absolutely. Now, I mean, first, congratulations on 45 years of marriage. That is amazing, 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 amazing. And it's no small accomplishment. At what point in your marriage did you, like, did you always have a passion for counseling other couples? Or at what point kind of in your own marriage journey did you realize, like, you know, I think we're, we're, you know, we're not perfect, but we're doing this thing pretty well. You know, and I'd love to help other couples. You know, how did that transition happen? Well, I, as uh, my counseling practice opened in 1990, and so as I help more and more couples, I learned from couples uh, as well. Besides my uh, PhD in marriage and family therapy, I learned from couples what behaviors, what words, what skills, what tools make for a happy marriage. And so after helping probably over a thousand couples, my wife started encouraging me to write this book to get the information out there to couples. And certainly uh, no marriage, like you said, Molly, is perfect. Every marriage uh, uh, has its ups and downs, but the key is to have a consistently happy marriage. And unfortunately, you and I know the divorce rate's about 50%. And I would say of couples who are married, uh, 70% are not happy. Uh, and so uh, that just encouraged me to help couples because Everyone wants to have a happy marriage. The problem is couples don't have the knowledge. And you my book and you see how I provide couples with that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, nobody stands there on their wedding day saying their wedding vows going, man, I can't wait to have an unhappy marriage. <laughs> no, nobody says that. Nobody says that. That is so true, Molly. And, I, and uh, it's like you were at, I do numerous marriage presentations, our presentations, and it's like you were at my marriage presentation because you're right. Every bride and groom thinks, oh, we're going to have a very happy marriage, but one of us goes to heaven and uh, we have no idea. Don't even think about an unhappy. You're, you're right, Molly. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, you know, right off the bat, and I'm not just saying this uh, because I know he listens to this, but you know, my husband and I, we know that what we have is, is a rarity. Um, we genuinely like 
we love being married. We love marriage. And uh, we've talked about like how, you know, right here in the middle of the coronavirus, I'm like, there is no one on this planet that I would rather be quarantined with. And and especially during a time of quarantine, when you're really like, we are uh, not apart from each other, except for, you know, he's in the office right now working and I'm in my closet recording a podcast with you, but we are together pretty much 24 seven and we don't get sick of each other. And we're at that stage. I mean, we're still in, in a stage of marriage, even after, you know, eight years of marriage and, and 10 years together where we hate being apart from each other. If he leaves the house, I'm like, oh, I don't want you to leave. I'm going to miss you. Or if I have to go out of town for work, he's like, oh, can I just come with you? Like we, we realize that that is rare. And we just talk about like what, how can we as a couple encourage other couples or speak about marriage in a way that encourages other couples to pursue a marriage like that? And we're not saying that it's easy, um, but we we're committed to loving each other each and every day as best as we can. And we're committed to loving the Lord. And the, the more that we grow closer to the Lord, the more we grow closer together. And, and this is the last thing I'll say. I mean, I remember very specifically in our premarital counseling, one of our, our counselors said to us, you know, no marriage has ever failed when two people are spending every day trying to love God and outlove one another. And that has just stuck with me and it's stuck with my husband. And, you know, we're constantly, uh, I think I also heard this phrase where it's like, we're trying to get a PhD in the other person. And I want to have my PhD in John Stillman and he wants to have his PhD in Molly Stillman. And, and that's so important for us. And so we are always looking for ways to grow and change. And, you know, if we know that there's an area we're like, Hey, we might not be doing this really well what's an area in which we can, you know, how we can grow and change and and all those kinds of things. So I say all of that because I I realize that the context of this conversation for some people, because I have a lot of dear friends who have walked through divorce, um, are walking through challenging times in their marriages. And I always want to be really sensitive to that and say that, like, I realize that that's the, the scenario that John and I have is, is not common. And we want to find ways to encourage others. And so I guess the reason, the other reason I say all that. That's so well stated. <laughs> the other reason I'm, I kind of say all this, and I realize I'm kind of word vomiting here at the beginning is, you know, in your line of work, when you're doing marriage counseling and, and you have an amazing marriage for f- 45 years, I'd love to kind of know your experience just in your personal life with, um, you know, as maybe you've had friends over the years who have walked through challenging times in their marriages, or if you have had, you know, a, a friend from church who's, who's walking through a divorce, how have you and your wife handled that? Just trying to be encouraging and speak life to them while kind of maybe taking off the, the counselor hat, or maybe you never do. Uh, do you kind of, you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at? Well, the, uh, it is difficult, like you said, to have friends or family that have gone through divorce, and it's heartbreaking. And what I have found, I mean, I, I love what you have on your website, Molly, where you said that uh, you and your husband are intentional about pursuing each other, because really, that is the first step to a healthy, happy relationship. And, and a lot of couples, be it your friends and family, my friends and family, just don't recognize the importance of never, never, never taking your spouse for granted, never taking your marriage for granted. And I always tell couples the old, number one goal is to overcome complacency. 
And you and your husband, Molly, you and John are doing that by what your premarital counselor told you, you know, loving God daily and trying to outlove each other. And so that uh, that is what I've uh, seen as absolutely essential. Now, let me also add that motivation alone is not sufficient. Every couple, after helping 1,500 to 2,000 couples, and unfortunately, not all couples uh, have end up with a happy marriage. I have seen couples end up in divorce and due to unhealthy behaviors or unhealthy words, but motivation is not sufficient. Couples have to have the knowledge. Every couple that comes to see me basically says or asks me, how do we have healthy, respectful discussions? How do we stay in love after the honeymoon? How do we apologize to each other? And so they're looking for knowledge. And unfortunately, I have never seen one secular marriage book or Christian marriage book that looks at every single aspect of a marriage, from apologizing, forgiving, to finances, to disagreement, discussion, to staying in love after the honeymoon, to uh, guarding your relationship from being broken apart. And as you've read in my book, my book covers every single area of the marriage, simple habits for marital happiness. And so, yeah, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to see family and friends not work it out. But a lot of times it's not their lack of motivation. It's lack of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. There was one thing that, you, I mean, there was obviously lots in the book that um, I really, I, I really liked. But um, for those listening, when you get the book on page 133, uh, you said you only have control over becoming the best spouse you can be, both as a person and a spouse every day in every way become better and better. You cannot change your spouse. But by reading this book, you will become a better spouse and develop a stronger emotional connection in your marriage. Every successful marriage requires two partners who take responsibility for ongoing spousal development. And I loved that because that that is one of those things where so often, and I and you delve a little bit more into this, where sometimes like we think on that wedding day when it's like we either think we can change the person that we're marrying or they're never gonna change at whatever stage they are, like, well, if this is imperfect, I can change that. Or uh, you know, they're perfect right now, they're never gonna change. Guess what? You're going to change. Everything's going to change. Your views on things might change. Your body's going to change. Like life is going to change, but you, you can't control that. So what can you control? And I just really loved that because I mean, there's certainly been times where not that it's, it's been anything like, you know, bad, but I'll just remember Like there might be a, a time where I'm like, why would my husband do that? Or like, why would he say that? And I'm like, I can't change him. Like, but I can change how I react or I can change how I communicate with him about that certain thing. Um, so I just really, I really, I think that that just so succinctly puts where so many spouses go wrong is trying to change the other person when that's it's literally impossible. <laughs> that is so true. And, and I appreciate you highlighting that uh, in Simple Habits for Mental Happiness be, because so, and I get the sense Molly, that you and John are continually growing as Christians and continually growing as husband and wife and even as parents. And that is the key. And so when we stop growing, you know, our marriages stop improving. And so even, you know, by God's grace, I hope I'm alive in five years, still helping individuals, couples and parents through my counseling practice. But I want to be a better husband in five years than I am today. And I think that's what everyone needs to keep in mind. And that helps, again, overcome the number one 
insidious disease for a marriage, complacency. It helps helps us overcome complacency by getting better and better and better in every way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you also said kind of in that section where you just talked about how in every area of your life and marriage, are you a better person and spouse today than the day you married? And I can absolutely say yes. And I, I know my husband and I have had a lot of conversations about how the first year of marriage, we were really just learning each other and we were learning how to live with one another and what that looks like. And we were going from two independent people. He's an only child. I lived by myself for, you know, three, four years before we got married. So a lot, there were a lot of changes. And, you know, we've learned over the years what our love languages are and how we communicate and when we each need downtime or when we need together time and what matters to each other and, you know, what really makes my husband happy isn't necessarily what makes me happy, but I do it because I love him and I want him to be happy. And he does things for me that aren't necessarily something that he would want to do. But again, we've learned that we try to, to get better every single day. And yeah, I love the way you said just complacency. And, you know, we think about how there's all these other areas in our lives where, you know, even cooking, like you don't start out as a top chef. You might know how to make box mac and cheese, but if you want to eat better food, guess what you have to do? You have to learn how to cook. And over time, as you learn how to cook and you practice and you try out different recipes and you burn things and then you make, you know, gourmet meals, you get to be a better cook. And eventually you might not have to use a recipe. It's the same thing in marriage. Like, why are we neglecting our marriages, but we're getting better at cooking? Or, you know, if you're into sports and you play golf, you're probably going to be pretty terrible at golf when you start out. But guess what? You practice and you get better and you improve. So a lot of times, like we get in these, in these places of complacency where we just don't continue to try to become a better spouse. So true. Very, very well stated, Molly. And you're right. So, and I, appreciate the fact that you and John have become better uh, spouses over the eight years of your marriage. And, and that's why you have a happy, satisfying marriage. You know, it's not perfect. Like my marriage is not perfect, but you guys both being better makes a huge difference. And that's your goal. And I pray by God's grace, you, you and John will be married 60 or 70 years, but throughout that 60 or 70 years, you and John, my wife and I, we need to keep improving and growing. Yeah, we uh, we always joke that we want to be the like 85, 90 year old couple that's just like holding hands and making out in public and grossing everyone out. <laughs> like, I just want to like, I want to be like, put my hand on his butt and just like <laughs> public. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, what's that? What's that old couple doing? I'm like, that's what I want to be. That's my goal. That is a great goal. And you, you guys keep uh, intentionally pursuing each other and applying the healthy skills and behaviors to have that great communication you have now. I mean, it sounds like you guys thoroughly understand each other and you're trying to understand each other even more. Yeah. There's another uh, section. There's a couple of sections of the book I just really wanted to highlight with you because I think that they were just kind of light bulb moments for me. And this, this one was on uh, page 68 in the section on telling your spouse how to comfort you. And uh, it says, when you are feeling down, your spouse can only help if they know what lifts your spirits. Sometime soon, will you please sit in your living room or at the kitchen table and share with each other your thoughts and feelings about what will bring comfort to you in stressful situations? I loved that 
for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, there's, you know, we talk a lot about how like we can't read each other's minds. And so often women, I'm raising my hand here, I am guilty of this. We get frustrated or mad with our spouse or our significant other because they are not reading our mind and they are not doing exactly what we want them to do in that situation. And then all of a sudden we get silent. We give them the silent treatment. We're like, well, how did you not know that I needed this? You know what I mean? I mean, women, we are so like all women, we do this. And men. (laughs) That's true. And men too. And And, but I really loved the way that you approached, you know, because I mean, obviously in that particular scenario, we're talking about stressful situations and how to comfort you. But I think it's, it can apply to so many other aspects of our marriage. And um, so I wonder if you would just kind of talk a little bit about that, expand on that. It's, it's interesting you bring that up, Molly. I was on another podcast recently and the, uh, uh, the woman actually been married 30 years. And what, one of the things that she said, a lot of the skills and tools jumped out at her and are going to help her and her husband and their relationship get stronger. But what jumped out of her was that uh, tell your spouse how to comfort you as well. She said, uh, you know, she said recently, you know, something happened and I was thinking, well, why doesn't my husband wrap his arms around me and give me a big hug? (laughs) But, and I've heard that thousands of times in my practice where spouses will come in and one will say, you know, especially the wife, this happened, that happened you know, why didn't my husband comfort me? And I'll ask, how do you want to be comforted? And what is surprising, Molly, is a lot of times the spouse will say, well, I'm not sure, but my partner should know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we're not sure how we want to be comforted, how will our partner know? So like I in my book, I have uh, spouses write down specifically exactly what they want to here, you know, I love you. You're special. I care about you. With God's help, we'll get through this. Let's pray together. And then on the do side, what actions can make them feel better? Is it a big hug? Is it holding hands? Is it uh, going for a walk around the block? You know, and so that has made a significant difference in so many marriages. And again, motivation is not sufficient for a happy marriage. Couples have to have the knowledge. And that knowledge of that simple habit, tell your spouse how to comfort you through words and actions, is huge for every marriage. Huge, huge, huge. John and I walked through um, this a couple of years ago, two years ago, actually. We lost, this was really the, for both of us, we, he would say this too, that in our marriage, this was, I think, the first real big time challenge that we had walked through together. And it was, um, I lost two pregnancies back to back in the second trimester. Oh, I'm so very sorry. I am so sorry. And, um, well, thank you. Um, and when we walked through that, that was the, that was the first time that together we were walking through grief. As we all know, men and women grieve differently. And especially when it comes to something like a pregnancy loss where, you know, for me, I was physically showing, I was feeling the baby move. I had been to all the appointments and, you know, I was definitely more emotionally attached to our son um, than my husband was at the time because he wasn't physically carrying it. Now, when we lost our first son, Elijah, in, in February of 2018, you know, my husband was obviously he was grieving and he was sad. Um, but I remember like pretty much after, after I gave birth or, um, he, that was kind of closure for him. 
Whereas for me, I was walking through um, weeks and weeks of grief and I was grieving very differently than him and he didn't understand why. And I remember like finally at one point, like a month after the loss, we had to sit down and I had to be like, I'm not okay. And then I'm upset that you are for some reason, okay. And so we had to have this kind of conversation about how do we communicate our grief and how do we walk through that differently? And then when, when I got pregnant again, right away, and then had the exact same thing happen, second trimester loss, my husband then this time was angry. He was upset the first time and he was upset the second time, but this time he was more angry. Like, why is this happening? So he was dealing with it again, very differently where I was just at that point walking through something even more dark. And so we really had to learn during that time to communicate each other's needs. He had to tell me like, I need to go to the gym and go work out because that was a way that he could kind of get that physical stress out. And I needed him to listen. I needed to talk and I needed to cry and I needed to be him, him to be okay with that. And so I just, I really connected with that section. I think for that reason, because this is something that we've been actively working on is just because men and women, husbands and wives, like we just, we deal with things differently. We're different. And it can be so difficult to communicate those expectations with each other. Exactly. And, and again, I extend my Christian sympathy to you, Molly, and your listeners know I have a PhD in marriage and family therapy, but before becoming a doctor, I am a pastor. Oh, wow. And I, I want to reassure you that uh, you're going to spend everlasting life in heaven uh, with those two children as well as your two children, uh, Lily and, and Amos. There is no doubt in my mind, and I, I want to reassure you of that fact that you're going to have joy forever and ever for infinity uh, with all four of your children, and be, be reassured of that. Amen. But, but you're, you're right. Expectations affect everything in a marriage, and making our expectations known kind of goes back to that tell your spouse how to comfort you through special phrases and through special actions. And, uh, and couples, just that section of the book, learning how to make their expectations known and telling your spouse how to comfort you really can bond couples together because we all have a tendency to think, you know, why can't my spouse read my mind? That's a very normal thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, in your work as, um, you know, of a former pastor and a counselor, what is the hardest thing about it? And what is, what just gives you the greatest joy and is the thing that just rejuvenates you, keeps you going and you go, yeah, like you said in the beginning, like I want to do this as long as I physically can. The success stories that I hear and I, I have seen, uh, you know, I do all kinds of counseling, individual. Uh, and, and by the way, just so your listeners know, I was a professor for 25 years at Concordia Seminary in Fort Wayne. So I taught probably in our Lutheran church, 1,800 pastors, how to do counseling. Uh, and that helped me be so effective uh, as an individual marriage parenting expert. And, and I would say I'm, uh, I feel like I'm one of the top two or three marriage experts in the country, even though my book is not a bestseller yet, and also one of the parenting experts in the country. And I actually taught 
ministry to the sick and dying. That was a, a class I taught at the seminary. But but what, what keeps me going and answer your question is just seeing marriages that were on the brink of divorce. And I have that in the, some of the quotes at the beginning of my book, couples that were going to be divorced and now have a happy marriage. And just because they have the knowledge, you know, it would be like, Molly, you live in North Carolina. If I la- ask you to drive to uh, Los Angeles, California, without your GPS and without a map, you may get there, but it may take you weeks or months because you're going to drive all over the place because you don't know where you're going. And that's what Simple Habits for Marital Happiness does. It helps people have direction on how to have a satisfying relationship. And when I see individuals overcome depression or individuals overcome anxiety that I've helped or have helped people through the grief of the death of a loved one or marriages be successful or parents learn how to parent their kids in an effective way. You know, that's what keeps me going and why I want to do this till I'm 90. Uh, Again, not full time, but uh, part time. So yeah, that's a great analogy, the map analogy, because yeah, I mean, you'll you'll you might get there possibly, but you're going to be you're going to be lost. And a lot of times couples just give up. You know, if they don't have the knowledge, I I mean, you mentioned, I mean, the five love languages is a wonderful book. And Gary Chapman is a great Christian author, but gives specific skills in all areas of a marriage to help couples get there to Los Angeles drive there. You know, it may get them a start, but it doesn't do the full GPS trip. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I think too, with couples getting help before, you know, I I think it's, um, it's kind of like when you read a, a marriage book, or if you go into marriage counseling, or if you're going to a marriage conference, there's almost like this perception that, uh Oh, your marriage is in trouble. But like in any other aspect of life, we are, you know, think about like everything that you need to do to be able to drive, to drive a car. You have to, you know, do behind the wheel. You have to take a test. And then every few years you have to retake the test and all these kinds of things to maintain your driver's license. But then sometimes like we just let people get married and then just send them off. Like same with parenting. Like you just, maybe you take a class at the hospital and then all of a sudden they're, you have this baby and they just send you home with this human life and then just expect you to be able to know what to do. (laughs) And that's so absurd. And so, you know, I think going into marriage counseling or going to a marriage conference or reading a book about marriage before you have problems, I think is even more key. So do you have, like, I would say what percentage of couples come to you that are in trouble or do you have a good percentage of couples that come to you when things are good and they want to keep them that way? I would say because I have become very well known as a marriage expert and a parenting expert and relationship expert, a higher percentage uh, will come to see me to get the knowledge because they want to strengthen their relationship. You know, they're not, they're not in trouble. They're not thinking divorce. Neither one contacted a lawyer, but they say, we want to get the skills and tools that can make our marriage better and better So that five years from now, it's better than it is today. And so that percentage, Molly, is increasing. But I still do see the troubled relationships that were one or both have already contacted lawyers and went at one out. And let me throw this in. I mean, I think it's great that you and your husband 
uh, have a wonderful marriage. When you have, I always tell couples when they have kids at home, uh, if they have a B marriage, they're in the top five marriages. If they have a C plus or B minus marriage, I say God bless <laughs> because childcare takes time and that's time away from the marriage. Uh, and even though I'm a marriage expert, when our two sons were at home, I would say our marriage was never greater than a B, you know, just because uh, we're all imperfect and flawed and children require discussion. And when you don't have kids at home, then I always say the best of marriage can be as an A minus. You know, there never has been in the history of the world an A or A plus marriage because we're all sinners and we're all flawed. But A minus marriage is possible when kids are not at home. And so I think it's in answer to your question, kind of getting around about here. I think a lot of couples want to strive to strengthen their relationship uh, and not take a chance on uh, being complacent. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Randy to share with you that the new summer 2020 capsule collection from Sago Designs has launched. This collection is the perfect expression of reclaiming our vision. Our minimalist floral design hide and seek is a celebration of the hidden gems in our midst every day. We've reimagined and elevated the classic Ugandan paper bead jewelry to add a delicate and unique flair to your summer wardrobe. Our tiger lily pieces are inspired by the boldness of their namesake and each of our bags are as eco-friendly as they are beautiful. As you continue about your days, we hope this collection reminds you to look for the miracles and to be fearlessly, boldly, and unapologetically you. To shop this incredible collection, go to seikodesigns.com forward slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O designs.com slash Molly Stillman. Now back to my conversation with Dr. Randy Schroeder. That's a great point about just there's no perfect marriages. Um, and the best you can have, especially with kids at home, is a B. And yeah, and I will say, especially during uh, a quarantine, uh, when you have two children at home who are you're trying to work from home and homeschool and all those kinds of things. And actually, you know what, that kind of leads me to, a, a, I was going to ask you this question later, but since we're kind of on the topic, you know, my husband and I were talking about this the other day and I said, you know, one of the things that I think is a really, I hope this is not true, but one of the things that's going to come out of this season that we're in um, with COVID-19 is um, I think we're going to see a surge in divorces. And I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, it's at a time like this when so you know, couples are at home, they can't get away from each other and they might just realize like, I don't actually like this person or we don't actually get along or something like that. And so my question is, what would you say to a couple that is listening right now or to a person who's listening right now, who's married, who might be struggling with that right now? And they're just thinking during the season of the coronavirus, like, I don't know if I want to be married to this person anymore. What would you say to them? Well, I think, uh, and, and you actually, Molly, I was watching, uh, caught a glimpse of this morning, and they said, since COVID-19 has taken in our country, the divorce, people filing for divorce, that is up just over the past couple of months. So you, you're right uh, on target with your assessment. But what I would say is, uh, you know, once we get through this COVID-19 and couples can get outside the home, I, I always strive uh, or suggest to couples that they improve their relationship 1% per week. You know, whether it's complimenting one another, uh, you 
so well. Molly mentioned making expectations known, learning how to make expectations on a daily basis, learning how to have healthy disagreement discussions, uh, like I mentioned in Simple Habits for Marital Happiness, uh, learning how to apologize, forgive, just go slow and realize that your relationship can get stronger and do things in the home now. I love it uh, that on your website, you mentioned uh, you don't take yourself too seriously and you like to laugh and have fun. And I think that's great. But I suggest to couples right now that I do phone counseling right now. I've got a phone counseling session scheduled this afternoon, uh, but uh, that couples uh, watch comedy TV shows together, watch comedy movies, you know, do dates in the home and alternate picking dates. Like I suggest in my book, even though it's more outside the home, well, just in my book, but in the home, it may be one day you play Scrabble together. Uh, the next day you go outside for a walk and you alternate kind of doing fun activities that can, uh, can strengthen your relationship and just don't give up hope, you know, but motivation alone is not sufficient. I, I just want to stress that again. And uh, the knowledge and the skills and the tools is what it takes to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. And I loved what you said about um, date nights at home. And that has actually been something um, John and I have been doing throughout this is, and we've done, I mean, especially with young kids, like we've done at home date nights over the years, but we very intent, you know, we would maybe do them like once a month or something like that an at home date night. And throughout the, the quarantine, we have made Saturday night at home date night. And it has been so much fun in that what we try to do is every week come up with something new that we can do. And um, my husband, who is just, he's so creative, he planned our at-home date night last week and he made a indoor putt-putt course throughout our house. (laughs) And he got putters out and golf balls and he found one of those uh, Frisbees that has a hole in it. And he made that the hole. And then he had, he had like one hole was we had to go through the office and, but it had to like bounce off. uh, The ball had to bounce off like file cabinets. And I mean, like uh, we had a hole where we started at the top of the stairs and you had to hit it down the stairs. I mean, it was, we laughed. It was so much fun. And I just was like, I, I love your creativity, but I love doing stuff like this with you. Uh, We'll play categories. You know, we always, we cook dinner after the kids go to bed. And it's just been something that we both really look forward to. And so every week we're like, only a couple more, you know, days until date night. And that has been something that is really brought us closer during the quarantine. And so I, I just echo those sentiments that you said is just, you know, even though we can't get out is the importance of dating each other. And yes, you can have a putt-putt date night in your house. You can steal that idea from John Stillman. <laughs> well, I remember that, Molly. I, I picked something up in my phone counseling when I counsel with couples. I'm going to suggest, I love that both of you are creative and, uh, especially playing a putt-putt game in house uh, in your house. I've never heard of that, but that's a wonderful idea that your husband came up with. Yeah, that was all him. That's all his creativity. He definitely surprised me with that one. <laughs> Tell John I said great work. I will. I will. I definitely will. Um, well, there was one last section of the book that I wanted to talk about um, before we go. I could honestly sit here and talk to you all day, but the last thing is, One of the things that I think is really important um, is when conflict arises. And so basically the whole last section of the book, you talk about different ways to approach conflict and um, how to handle conflict in marriage. And 
I am, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram or not. Um, I am a very like textbook. I am a textbook Enneagram two. My husband is a textbook Enneagram eight. And so the Enneagram eight, for those not familiar, it's the challenger. He does not want, you talk about the soft startup in your book. He doesn't want the soft startup. He wants you to get to the point. He wants you to tell him what's wrong. He wants just no fluff get rid of it. Whereas like I, as an Enneagram to the helper, I'm very emotional and I take things really personally. Um, if I hear the phrase, we need to talk, I immediately want to throw up. That is like the worst thing that anyone could ever say to me is the phrase we need to talk. And so when I read this section and I laughed and highlighted it, cause I was like, this is me. Um, and it was talking about how, uh, you know, using the soft startup really, uh, you know, approaching conflict or difficult discussions in a soft way. And you said, don't even use the common phrase. We need to talk. What begins badly with each other will often end badly, including your marriage. Um, I believe the very best phrase for a soft startup is I need your help. Um, And I loved that is because the phrase I need your help just humbles the other person. So as somebody who, again, is terrified of the phrase we need to talk, even if it's like it could be a good conversation. But if you say we need to talk, I immediately think he wants a divorce. That's it. Like, that's it. Our marriage is over going to leave me or, uh, yeah, I think I go to worst case scenario. So I just, I'd love for you to kind of just talk a little bit about that and, and the, what does the soft startup look like and what is kind of your number one piece of advice for couples when they are facing conflict and need to have a discussion with each other? Yeah, I, I really appreciate Molly, you, you, uh, pointing out, I need your help. That, that is so significant. Because, you know, if I were to say to you, Molly, I've got a problem with you on this, or I've got an issue with this, or we need to talk right away, that would put a wall in our friendship. And so you're right to begin with, I need your humbling. And and we want to help our spouses, we want to help our marriage. And so it just opens up the door. And that is significant. The, The other I would call them the terrific twos. Now, I don't say this in my book, but of course, I, I mention them. But, uh, and let me backtrack just a little. I think it's important for every couple to realize happy marriages have disagreements. What they don't have are arguments, fights, and conflicts. You know, arguments are two people yelling, fights, two third graders hitting each other on the playground, conflicts, two countries going to war. We don't want to go to war in our marriages. And so, but we do want to respect each other's differing opinion and find a solution to that differing opinion. So, but the terrific twos, I really have seen these two uh, ideas help over a thousand marriages. In fact, I've had, I bet at least a hundred marriages staying inside the nines have saved their marriage from divorce. And what is staying inside the nines? It's having a healthy discussion after nine o'clock in the morning or before nine o'clock at night, because when we are tired, we have a tendency to blame and we'll blame others. We'll blame our spouses. And so we need to have the energy to find solutions to our differing opinions. And so to never have a discussion before nine in the morning or after nine at night is huge. The other one is to always sit down. That's the second terrific two. Standing is an intimidating posture. You and I can yell louder, Molly, when we stand. We don't listen as well when we stand. And by finding a spot to sit down, listen closely to our spouses, uh, that has helped, again, hundreds of marriages uh, just learning to sit 
when they have an I need your help discussion and learning to stay inside the nines. And those three ideas are significant. So I appreciate you pointing out that section of the book as well. And again, Simple Habits for Marital Happiness looks at every major area of a marriage, all seven aspects. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's so helpful. The other, I loved that uh, tip for sitting down. That's a great, great tip. And, you know, I think about some of the conversations John and I have had over the years where, you know, it's not necessarily an easy conversation, but we always try to sit down. And I, it's, I think we just did it subconsciously, um, but we would sit on the couch next to each other and hold hands and have the discussion that way. And yeah, because I, I, yeah, when you're standing, Standing is not a soft position. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, you didn't say this directly, but like, I, I'm going to take that advice with my kids because it can be really easy for me, especially, you know, right now in this time of the coronavirus, like my patience with my children is little to none. And uh, I will just be real honest. And I am very quick to if they are not listening, if they are defying what I've what I've asked them to do, or if they're, you know, misbehaving, I'm real quick to raise my voice right now. And I don't like it. That is not me. And I think just taking that little step of just taking my child by the hand, bringing them over to the couch, sitting down and looking them in the eye and talking to them about about what's going on can really ease both of us. So I, I'm going to take advice for parenting too. <laughs> No, it, it actually adds to the parenting. Can I add one little thing there about that? Just a story? Please, please do. What happens, uh, so many parents say that, that uh, staying inside the nines and sitting down makes a huge difference in their teenager relationship. This Friday night across the United States, well, now that we have COVID-19, it's not going to happen. But when kids could go out, they'd be late for curfew. And uh, when kids come home late for curfew, is it after nine o'clock at night? Yes, it is. Are parents standing? And is the teenager standing when the teenager comes through the door late for curfew? Yes. And so what normally happens is there's a huge blow up between parents and teenager. And rather than uh, parent and teen have a closer relationship, they put a wedge in the relationship and teenagers often become more rebellious. And so what I tell parents is when your teen comes in, late at night, look at your watch and say to your teenagers, sleep good. We're going to bed. Mom and dad are going to bed and let the teenagers squirm all night long, wondering what's going to happen tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Saturday morning after nine o'clock, it'll probably be closer to 11 because teenagers are going to sleep in. But uh, mom and dad need to say, we need your help. Like you mentioned earlier, we need your help and then go sit down after nine o'clock in the morning and find out the reasons for being late for curfew. And so mom and dad sleep good all night. The teen squirm, what is going to happen tomorrow morning? And yet there's a respectful discussion, which keeps the parent-teen relationship strong. That is fantastic advice that I am writing down for when I need to implement it in seven years. Uh, that, Yeah. I'm sure your kids will never be late for curfew, Molly. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure. They, I didn't have to ask them nine times this morning to get dressed. So, yeah, I'm sure that they will listen to me when I <laughs> tell them to when to come home. When you say, don't be late for curfew. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, it's, I just, I just, I mean, you know, they're young kids and it is, it is what it is, but it's just so funny to me when, you know, I'll just be like, all right guys, time to get dressed. And then, you know, after three or four times I'm going, okay, okay guys, we need to get dressed. And then by the ninth time I'm like, it's time to get dressed. And they're like, why'd you have to yell? I'm like, I did <laughs> time i'm like i asked so nicely i was like mary poppins the first six times and then i turned into the tyrannosaurus rex but i'm a work in progress you you could get me going it might actually molly my uh, second book is simple habits for every parent and and i'm 50 percent done with my parenting book so i uh, that that i hope to publish in 2021 so but yeah, no, that that's yeah. I have no doubt that you and John are wonderful Christian parents, just as you have a wonderful Christian marriage. But again, there's no perfect parent. There's no perfect child. Oh yeah, no, I am far from it. That is, I'm a work in progress. I love my kids, and they are just the best, and they are so sweet, um, and they also drive me absolutely up the wall. So, uh... <laughs> especially during COVID nineteen, for all parents, for all parents. Yes, the homeschooling, all of the things um, where there are just times where I look at my husband, and I'm like, I just would love for someone to not ask me for a snack for like, I don't know, 10 minutes, like some, just something like, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, well, I will be buying your parenting book for sure. Uh, Randy, this has been just such a gift. Um, but before we go, I want to just transition a little bit to just ask some kind of lighthearted, uh, questions that I ask all my guests, um, here at the end. So Randy, uh, are you ready for the get to know you round? Well, I hope, <laughs> but don't, uh, I hope I have good answers, put it that way. <laughs> well, um, so this one is actually, a, it's it's a special question that I'm asking kind of during this time, um, but I'm going to ask yours a little bit differently. Um, and I'd say, what are you learning about yourself and your marriage during COVID-19? Well, I, the, uh, I just read a book, uh, finished a book last night by Tom Landry, who used to be the Dallas Cowboys uh, football coach years ago. And he, he talks about in there, it's how we react to adversity. And so I, I, I've kind of learned how I need to react in a healthy way to adversity and what I cover in my uh, counseling practice, you know, all the skills and tips to stay emotionally healthy and happy. And, uh, and also, uh, it's been rewarding to uh, spend all this time with, uh, with my wife and I, and, uh, to ha have the connection there that that has been valuable and special for us and it's given us a little more time to connect strongly with each other well as you can see a, a, a visitor just joined us <laughs> i see lily back there hi lily do you want to say hi hi here you can say hi in the microphone hi hi is your brother amos close by he said is your brother amos close by uh-huh is amos out there He's with Dada. Oh, he's with Daddy? Yeah. You just wanted, you missed me and you wanted to come say hi? Uh-huh. <laughs> you're a sweetheart, Lily. He says you're a sweetheart. You say, <gasps> you say thank you? Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, okay, so question number two is, what is your ideal date night with your wife? An ideal date night would be uh, going to a 
restaurant where we can share a bottle of wine together and uh, just enjoy looking into each other's eyes and talking with each other. I love it. I love it. That's my idea too. <laughs> Good. We think alike. Yes. After 45 years of marriage, what about marriage is still like, is just your favorite aspect of marriage? It never gets old. I uh, still love the hugs and kisses from my wife. Physical touch means a lot to me. And, uh, and I think that's certainly, uh, it can be pleasurable physically, but more importantly, it keeps a, a marriage emotional. And so I, I love hugs and kisses. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's so sweet. Um, okay. Now this could be just a personal thing. It doesn't have to be marriage related. Um, of all of your pet peeves, which one might be the strangest? I would say I have OCD tendencies with trash. <laughs> I, I like uh, empty trash cans in the house and I like keeping, uh, taking the trash out and not, uh, not having it around. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's that's more of an OCD tendency. I don't give into it too often. In fact, when our two sons were home, our sons would uh, tease me at times and say, Dad, there's some trash. Even if it was just one Kleenex in a trash can, you better take the trash out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that's, I don't know, I'd say it's a pet peeve, but it's kind of an OCD thing with me. I like it. I like it. Okay. And then this is my last question that a question that I ask all my guests and that is, uh, Randy, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? It is, uh, meaningful, especially when, uh, the rewards of helping people, uh, are achieved and individuals, you know, I just got a text from a mom right before, uh, we started the podcast and she said and her, their 18 year old son was suicidal. And she said, he is doing so much better after visiting with you a couple of times in person. And then I had a phone counseling session with him yesterday. And that just is so meaningful to have a business like a counseling business where I had the opportunity to use my knowledge and skills and tools to help people's lives. That's really meaningful. And I really appreciate you sharing that story. And um, yeah, you know, I bet the amount of lives that you have impacted over the years, like you've just, that's kingdom work. And um, I'm just grateful for your obedience to the Lord in that. And uh, Randy, this has been, like I said, this has been such a joy and you really are the a warm chocolate chip cookie. And uh, hopefully one day we can meet and have a warm chocolate chip cookie together. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. It was my privilege and pleasure and God's richest blessings to you and John and your marriage and God's richest blessing to your family with uh, Lily and Amos as well. Thank you so much, Randy. Okay, friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or maybe something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business With Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business With Purpose Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. 
be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you just take a moment to leave a review for me? Leaving a review really just helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the amazing team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.